Hello and welcome to this episode of Bring It In with me, Chris Holland from Charlton Morris. Um, so today's episode is with someone who's doing a job that probably didn't exist um, like maybe 10 years ago um, because it's with Izzy Cowling, um, who's the employer brand manager for uh, Penguin Books. Um, you know, a, a huge company that I'm sure uh, many of our listeners will have heard of, massive publishing house. Um, it was a fascinating chat because it was all about how we help to establish an employer brand, what impact that can have on a company, having a strong employer brand, and also crucially how that should and could and can differentiate, but also be similar to the main corporate brand. Um, I think that there's a lot of power to be had with people working in the people side of the business, you know, human resources, talent acquisition, and all those associated areas to to really own this part of the business. And it, may, it might mean collaborating with marketing, it might mean hiring people like Izzy if you've got the resource to. Um, but I think there's some really interesting insights for um, anyone listening to this who's got an interest in uh, building out your brand. Um, and yeah, hope you can take lots away from it. So without further ado, here's our conversation. First of all, um, Izzy, thank you very much for joining us uh, on uh, on this episode of of Bring It In. Um, I'll I'll let you introduce yourself if that's all right, and tell us a bit about who you are and, and what you do. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm Izzy Isabel. I am currently the employer brand manager at Penguin. I started off originally in the publishing industry, um, made my way into employer brand through the comms route, internal and external comms really fell into employer brand, which felt like a new concept at the time, still relatively new. Um, And so I've been following that path for the last couple of years in-house and agency. Um, God, outside of work, I live in East London with my girlfriend and my sausage dog, who I love very much. And um, yeah, I feel like I'm a brand person in recruitment. I was never in recruitment. I don't didn't actually know anything about recruitment until I kind of came into the content side of things. Um, so I've spent the last few years getting to know this space more and really enjoying it. As it's interesting, um, you know, it's interesting that you find yourself sort of in the on the peripheries of recruitment, but like seeing yourself in, I suppose, more of a comms marketing content angle. Like I think that from a I am in recruitment. I have been in recruitment for a long time, but I think there used to be a real misconception that um, recruitment was sales. You know, it's sales. It's all about picking up the phone and like hammering people and uh, uh, call numbers. Whereas like, I think now recruitment is marketing. That is what it is. And you know, everything around it, you know, which is where we find sort of experts like you in, in the employer branding space. Um, I think what what I was going to start with, I mean, the, the first piece of the puzzle, I think, from an employer branding perspective is is always um, EVP, isn't it? And, and like employee value proposition. So I suppose it'd be really helpful if, uh, first of all, if you could define that, like what, what is EVP and then why is it such an important bit of the employer brand puzzle? Yeah, I think... Um... EVP is such an interesting term, especially when you think about employer value proposition, employer brand, talent value proposition, talent branding, all of recruitment marketing, all of these terms. If you strip it back to me, it's just what are you offering? Like literally, what is your offer to a candidate? And that can be positive, but that can also be negative in a way, not negative per se, but that can be the things that you want to tell a candidate 
both in the sense of what you have to offer that's good things, but also a smart filter or what they need to know or the expectations you need to set with them that they should be okay with so that they don't leave after three months. So to me, that's just the articulation of your offer. When you talk about that value proposition, it's the value that you give and the value that you're looking for in return. And you can kind of structure that in many different ways. I know like PH Creative or whoever have frameworks for it. But if you really boil it down, that's that's what that means to me. And it's that offer of, and, and crucially, and we'll come on to this a little bit in a little, bit, a little while, but it's crucially what you offer to prospective employees, isn't it? Which yeah. I think is a key differentiator between what you'd usually communicate with your, your marketing or your branding. Yeah. And you've hit the nail on the head there. People often say, well, why is your employer brand separate from your consumer or corporate brand? And the fact is, it's not, but it also is at the same time. At least in my company, we don't put off readers from buying our books. We want as many people to buy our books as possible. In my company specifically, we do want to put some candidates off. That might be because we've got completely unrealistic kind of capacity at entry level roles like 800 applicants per entry level role sometimes which is wild (laughs) or it might be that people have a glamorized view of our industry that isn't realistic they might have to read four books a week in their spare time to be an editor I don't know so you know the kind of the stakes or what you're trying to achieve with your employer brand can often be really quite different yeah I think the way that um I had it explained to me was um that I think was a really uh, nice way of doing it was that the the difference between your I suppose corporate customer facing branding your employer brand is that one is selling your products you know in your case books and that the other is selling experiences mm-hmm. and you know the which is a little bit cheesy it's a little <laughs> bit Disney in it but um but it you know it's it's selling those experiences of like what it's like to work there what it's like to be a part of your team and what and like you said I suppose what it what it isn't you know the things that you don't do as much as yeah. it is yeah. In terms of like the aesthetic then, or like, is there a different, should there be like a differentiator there, do you think, between your employer brand and your customer facing corporate brand? Yeah. Do you mean like the look and feel of your brand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Another interesting one and a conversation I've just had to have as we've had our kind of corporate brand revised and we're going through a rebrand look and feel and otherwise. Um, The way we have structured it and this is a kind of structure that I'm very much an advocate for is that someone should be able to look at your corporate brand and look at your employer brand and know that your employer brand is like a toolkit of parts so it's a stream of your maybe wider color palette your wider kind of look and feel so in my case this looks like we use the same font they've got a color palette of, I don't know, 10 colors, and we've made that down into five. And so although our look and feel like is different, we've got different illustrations, we use that palette in a different way. If it sits alongside your corporate brand, which in a lot of spaces, it might think about your LinkedIn channel, for example, it might have corporate news, and it might have employer brand content, it doesn't look weird. And it Mm. looks very much in alignment. Although if you look closely, you could tell what content type either one is. Mm. And you've, so that's interesting. You said that you use like fewer colors. Is that because I suppose the scope is slightly narrower, the audience is narrower. So you, you want to give yourself fewer, as you put it, tools to, to work with, to sort of simplify it. Is that the thinking? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a big part of it. Also, 
if you think about the types of assets you will give to your advocates and your recruiters and your company, if that if that brand reaches all the way into the employee experience as well, which I think it should, we thought that by going simpler, A, we quite like the, the clean look and feel of an employer brand. I'm very much the kind of um, clean career site kind of person um, design wise, but also it makes less margin for error. I think if you're having recruiters take your templates and go off and create their own posts, you're having people post on your internet with your designs, like all of these things who aren't kind of marketers or designers by trade. It just really slims down how many things could go a bit haywire. Yeah. So it's interesting because I suppose that with your, is that a differentiator? Then you say that your with an employer, a key differentiator between your employer brand and your corporate brand is that, you're encouraging people to run with it and make their own stuff and have like employee generated content so that that can get to their networks and their networks networks. And and it's almost like, which it's almost like, you know, cutting it loose and saying, you know, have a, to an, an extent fun with this. Cause that is quite a te- from a marketing perspective. That's quite a terrifying prospect, isn't it? That you, you wouldn't let anyone get their hands on that, but that's, that's a really inf- interesting thing. Is, is that important? Do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at any sort of employer brand trends or research these days, it's like, you know, you need your advocates or your um, kind of testimonials as proof points, right? And no company, well, not to my knowledge anyway, will hand their customers over their design palette and go, off you go then. Go yeah, no. And this is one of those cases where you are basically asking people to do that within the confines of your brand guidelines. So I think you're exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a scary prospect that, but that, and uh, and so, I mean, you mentioned advocates, um, you know, and, and this isn't necessarily about that, but have you got any any advice as to how to make advocates of your employees? I know that's such a common issue that people will have this suite of sometimes, you know, beautiful videos and imagery and pictures and things, but then no one does anything about them. Mm. I'll be honest in saying we're too early in our journey right now at Penguin to start thinking about like, I guess what you would call hardcore kind of ambassadorship programs. But I think there's a really early step where you are baking it into everything that you're doing. So by the time you come to ask people to reinforce your messages, they're not like, what? That doesn't feel right. I wouldn't say that. That doesn't Mm. align to me or, you know, whatever. And to do that, I would recommend spending a lot of time doing persona work by team or by role, starting maybe with your hard to hire roles and using that to form your messaging. And similarly, um, you know, when you're thinking about how to articulate your EVP or your messaging toolkit, whatever you want to call it, doing enough internal kind of workshopping and research so that when you kind of go, hi, everyone externally, here's the colleague experience that feels really rooted in candidate, uh, sorry, in colleague experience tangibly because they have said those words. You might have, you know, workshopped them, copywritten them, etc. But I think if you don't master that really early step, you're going to fail the minute you try and get those messages out from any other voice than the co- corporate company channels. And then presumably if they're involved in that creative process, then they will also feel ownership over it. And then when they see the finished products, they'll be more likely to say, I did this. Yeah, I was a part of this. It's cool, isn't it? Come work with me. Yeah, exactly. And I think a big part of um, advocacy and ambassadorship is also tied into your kind of company purpose as well. Mm. Um, We find that people feel really strongly about like volunteering opportunities and stuff 
maybe even more so than like your messaging or things like that, because it's so worked into what we're trying to do in the wider world or like our social impact. So we've then got natural advocates for our company. Mm. Because they're advocates for what your company does yeah, in, in the wider sense. Yeah, exactly right. And what is the what is the purpose? What is the mission at, at Penguin? To um, make books for everyone who could possibly want to read and um, get those into the hands of as many people as possible. So that can look like kind of making sure we publish a wide range of things, like all genres, all kind of topics, themes that people would want to read about, but also making sure that we kind of break down any barriers to reading so that could look like literacy that could look like prison reading groups like a variety of different initiatives that's really interesting like um you know thinking about the diversity and the representation of our authors and all of that sort of stuff too yeah oh cool no and I think it's I think that's quite a good I mean not not that that was something I was just trying to do but I think that's a good test of things like employer brand of culture of evp isn't it where that if you can go up to somebody in the business and say what's our purpose what is it that you know what are we about what's our what's our thing mm-hmm. and they can and if they've had a part to play in it and they know that that process is going on then they should be able to just come back and go right bang you know the big one is values isn't it like it, we have values what are our values and it's 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 it can be interesting to watch people stand on sort of squirm while they try and make those up, but <laughs> they need to be what you actually stand for. So, yeah, I think, sorry, just to p- pull your values, that in alone is something um, I've been thinking about a lot when we're creating this toolkit is like, what terminology do you give things? Or at least if you say, what are our values? Could someone describe what values actually means or what your mission means or what your principles mean? any of those sorts of things like what does that actually translate to in a day-to-day world so we've been spending a lot of time thinking about that right okay and what um, and what have you what what do you think on that then (laughs) so interestingly we started using the terminology evp right and then actually we kind of shifted over to what's the colleague experience like what's the actual purpose of trying to tell people about our proposition because actually it's trying to tell people what are the good things and bad things about working here that's really interesting. The bad things is particularly, yeah. So it's about that. It's it's experiential, and then that it's warts and all in it, and then exactly. shows off what it is. That's okay. Cool. So I mean, so your role, I think, is in it in and of itself is a super interesting one. Um, you know, you're an employer brand manager at Penguin. Um, for those people listening who may have never come across this position before. We've spoken about what an employer brand is, but what what does your role as an employer brand manager involve? So many things, (laughs) so many different things. Um, At a high level, it's to be a custodian for our brand. And I think a lot of that is kind of, you can underestimate how long or how many different things that that take, uh, how many hours in the day that can take sometimes. It looks like bringing out our employer brand, but also protecting it. And that can look like, you know, educating the company on what we do or how we refer to ourselves, the kind of language we do use or the kind of language we don't use. And that actually is quite inaccessible. It can also look like protecting like our designs and our assets and those sorts of things. Like, for example, I think a classic part of my job would be explaining why we don't have, I don't know, a referral policy, because actually we're trying to diversify our talent. Um, So it's a lot of kind of internal work I'd say it's also about strategizing where we show up 
so how do we advertise or where do we advertise what does our career site look like what does our show, social content look like what's the user journey what's the ideal user journey by kind of audience type or demographic um my job particularly looks after um, our programs so Emily my outreach coordinator looks after um, the internship work experience um, a six-month traineeship those sorts of things and also outreach which is a huge huge um, part of our employer brand and something that seems to be working really well um, it looks like baking inclusion into a lot of the things that we do and kind of I think my role is one of those key ones that has the opportunity to further a lot of our kind of representation goals I take that responsibility really seriously um and I guess because this is the first role at Penguin and I think this will be something that is probably quite common if you're the first one in in these types of roles at, at an organization of any size it's kind of cutting through the noise of everything that's been done before because before I joined there was a career site there was kind of employer brand content to some extent there was outreach activities there were programs but it's been about strategizing where we can make the most impact and stopping doing things as much as starting them so did that sit within or was did that sit within marketing or did it sit within HR or was it sort of a cross between the two great question um sometimes between the two definitely and if you know, there are organisers out there like mine that have like a corporate social responsibility sort of team in our world. It's social impact. Sometimes outreach, for example, can straddle those two. Content can straddle comms and recruitment. So it was a bit of a, a mishmash, actually. So it's been kind of working with those people, building relationships in some areas and taking some things back off people in some areas as well, which is always difficult. Yeah, slash welcome sometimes, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I mean, so you mentioned you mentioned social, which I think is an interesting one. So how how do you split that then? Because, so, you know, a company the size and reputation-wise of like Penguin, or, you know, I know that you've worked previously through agencies in lots of big companies looking after employer branding. Do you think that a company should have sort of two social media presences um one for you know one for in your case putting books in as many people's hands as possible and one for getting as many fantastic diverse and wonderful people to work for penguin as possible or are they one in the same do you share the social accounts how how do you how do you split that up well isn't that the age-old question (laughs) (laughs) um what would your perfect scenario be then maybe yeah yeah what would my perfect scenario be i think the answer would be based on how likely are your consumers to be your talent here, probably very likely in a lot of cases, particularly for our publishing houses where people love books, they grow up reading books and they want to be an editor or they want to publish our books. Makes mm-hmm. sense. When it's things like our kind of more hard tire areas, you might have finance, you might have a distribution role in Colchester, you might have a tech role. They're not likely to be often following our our book pages and that's reductive there are a lot of cases where they are but largely they're not yeah so in the sense that my perfect scenario is having separate talent pages in a lot of cases but having employer brand messages reinforced on your corporate channels right the reason for that is signposting back to those others exactly we've got captive captive audiences on our book channels like millions of followers that are super engaged and would love to work here that's great 
we we should definitely carry on doing that. But if we are really trying to diversify our talent and look to these kind of hard tire areas that don't intersect with the industry that we're in, that would not be enough. Yeah. Unless you were then putting a lot of paid advertising behind that content. Yeah. And 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 yeah, it's that thing, isn't it? You can't fish in the same ponds and expect different results. Can you? You've got to exactly that. Di- diversify and make that. That's 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 a really interesting answer. And I suppose it's a difficult question, isn't it? Because there's always that thing of you know you and your position, the first in your role at a you know, super well-known established company, like starting from scratch with anything like that is really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but I suppose it's just it's it's. It's food for thought for those looking at improving their employer brand. So, I mean, what makes a great employer brand then? Is there any things that you you think are particularly important to make an employer brand fantastic? I think a brand that really knows themselves. They're not trying to be everything at once. And I've seen brands do that where they think they need to be the best at everything and have this kind of really polished, shiny employer brand. And by that, I don't mean a brand that's well thought out. I mean, like they're trying to say, yeah, we're great at that. Oh, we're great at that too. We're amazing at that. And there's no kind of authenticity to it, which I know is like the buzzword of the century, but we know that's what candidates are looking for and talent want these days, me included. Mm -hmm. So I think a brand that knows what they have to offer and isn't afraid to tell people what they don't, Mm -hmm. which is again, kind of the theme of this podcast, I feel. Um, Yeah really stands out and cuts through the noise yeah yeah no I, I i think and and that is that can be quite a scary thing to do though can't it um i think you find it with what an interesting point on that that, that i think is as much as it's about not being not saying that you're amazing at everything is also is actually being honest about the size of your business as well mm-hmm. i think sometimes companies you know startups um in any of the sectors that we operate in are just generally like will often try and give off the impression, maybe rightly so to their customers and stuff, that they are a, you know, perhaps a slightly inflated version of themselves, what they are. But I think there's something refreshing about, you know, some people really want to join five-person teams, don't they? And and if they think there's 150 people working there because of all the, like, glitz and glam and the the stuff that they have, then that, that can put people off. So I think, you know, from just speaking from a recruiter's or ex-recruiter's perspective, I think it does have a real impact that. Yeah, exactly. Let people decide for themselves, I think, is my key takeaway. I know that that's all well and good if you're really, really struggling to get the kind of volume top of funnel, but you will have retention problems. So there's almost no point. If you're really thinking about return on investment, they will just leave. Or they'll (laughs) be so dissatisfied, then the productivity and the impact on the business won't be great anyway, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, yeah, and um, and so I suppose is it about is it important in your opinion that everybody in the business can communicate that brand? And if so, like how do you how do you do that? <laughs> um, ideally, yes. Yeah, I think that's probably completely unrealistic, unfortunately, or at least will take years and years of sustained work and. I'll be honest in saying, unless you're the EYs of the world, you're probably one of one or one of two, not a whole team of employer brand people. Of course, a lot of that moves into internal communications, HR comms, employee engagement, et cetera. And it's really hard to draw the line there sometimes. But I'd say, yeah, if you can imagine a world in which your entire company knows exactly what, who you are, but also what you're trying to achieve, 
then you're on to a winner. I personally find that a lot of people are very misguided about what you're actually trying to do or which types of talent you're trying to achieve or, you know, strategically where your priorities lie. And a lot of that is about internal comms, really. But they might think it's a great thing that they're going back to their local university. Ah, but yes, is it a very, you know, middle class white Russell University? That might not be such a good thing, actually, after all. So, (laughs) you know. I'd say yes, end game. That would be lovely. That would be my dream. Yeah, yeah. But I guess it's about thinking who are the people you really, really need to know how to articulate that brand, and that would probably be your recruitment team. Mm. And then sp- managers. And I suppose the people that you have hired that you'd like to hire more people like that as well, isn't it? And exactly. getting them to shout about it and talk about it, and making them, making them your champions. Um. So, what what difference can a great employer brand make? In your opinion, like what's the what can the impact be? Um, if you're thinking about actual actual metrics, mm. I think um, I mean representation is the hugest one. I think um, if you manage to start on the right foot, it almost feels like dating in a way. Like if you manage to have a really authentic dating app profile, first few dates, you're you're in line for a successful long-term relationship, right? Mm-hmm. So you're just starting things off on the good foot and therefore probably have higher sense of belonging, employee satisfaction, et cetera, who then to your earlier point, become natural advocates of your brand because they're happy to be there. Yeah. But if you pretend that you, if you pretend you're vegan for the first six dates and then you, you can't eat in chicken nuggets, it's not going to go down well, is it? Exactly that. Such a weird analogy. I'm sorry, I don't know why I said. That. <laughs> anyway, right, cool. We'll move on. So, um, look, I think that you, we've we've packed a lot into um, a very insightful um, and 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 quite quick conversation here. But I think um, it'd be great to to finish up with just any like quick uh, fixes or tips that you know someone could do to help the company improve their employer brand. I think that you know it's quite rare that the it's quite rare in the grand scheme of things that companies will have a dedicated person to an employer brand, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it's increasing and it's fantastic to see it increasing, but um, there's a lot of com- particularly smaller ones who maybe aren't there yet and may never be there, on, uh, but, but, but the HR or the talent acquisition people who have got a, an eye on it and want to improve it. So, so for those companies, those people, have you got any suggestions or, or, or tips that, that, that would be useful for them? Yeah, really interesting. I think if you are the first person in or you're someone who's feeling daunted by the idea, oh, great, now I've got to kind of start employer branding, don't try and do it all. I think there's such a tendency to go, oh, TikTok's the latest thing, Be Real's the latest thing, or, you know, get swept up in all the things you should be doing or could be if you had loads more time and loads more capacity. Just pick a few small things, do those really well. And once you've smashed that and you've got to BAU and they're ticking over, then pick something else. So first of all, I think strategically about that. My second one would be don't get swept up in all the kind of jargon If you're, again, maybe a marketing person who's been tasked with employer branding, you're not a talent person, just go and ask your recruitment team the kind of questions they get asked regularly by candidates and create content around that. Put it on your socials, put it on your career site. Do as as much work up front before they even get into the recruitment funnel to answer those basic questions. That's such a quick win. I'd also... 
spend some time going through your candidate experience through the eyes of a group you want to target that could be like is it are you someone or could you kind of view it as someone who maybe has a neurodivergence is it accessible or yeah I'm someone in tech and I go on the career site and actually there's no content there for me to even see what the kind of strategic priorities are in tech or what the tech stack is like basic stuff um and again maybe once you've done one area move on to the next you don't need to do everything Mm, I think that's they're they're such good principles that I think you know don't try and be everything to everyone all the time which I suppose has been and it'd be authentic is I suppose the main takeaways of everything we've spoken about here isn't it I think that you know the the piece about the just finish on this I suppose I I saw a really interesting thing um on that neurodivergent side of things where you see loads of companies where they are might be trying with their employer brand and trying to say um, you know, that we are a cool, fun place to work. And it says things like, you know, we have team nights out or team socials or team mm. get-togethers mm. on a monthly basis. And for some people, that might be an absolute nightmare. Like you might think like, well, that's not, that get-together, that whole thing, if there's like 20, 30, 40, 50 people in a room together, I might be like, oh my God, well, that sounds like really intimidating. And think like putting yourself in in the shoes of those target groups, which is, you know, a basic marketing principle, your personas, your audience and stuff is, um, is yeah, is, is so important. Um, but yeah, I mean, is, he, is there anything else you want to add or anything else you think that is like an unmissable bit of information that we haven't we haven't discussed so far? Not really, but your last comment just reminded me of my probably one bugbear or biggest tip. Stop referring to yourself as a family. You're not, <laughs> you're paying people. Yeah. <laughs> and well, they don't want to be in your family, probably. They just want to enjoy their job and go home to their actual family. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's what a great what a, what a great comment to finish on that is that's great yeah you can't pick you can't pick yeah you can't pick your family and and like you want to pick who you work with don't you you want to pick who you work for 100 percent. look izzy thanks so much uh mega interesting conversation and like loads of really interesting things to take away for people thinking about upgrading and, and starting their employer branding journey so thank you very much cheers thanks for having me thanks Thank you for listening to this episode of Bring It In. With this series, we're always looking for debate, feedback, and conversation. To ask me a question or discuss a topic, get in touch at charltonmorris.com slash bringitin. That's also the place where you can see new episodes, live events, and more importantly, join the community. Thanks again for listening.